Well, this time of year, you can be eating at grandma's, dinner at 10 o'clock at night, or having breakfast at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You can be spending the night at somebody else's house, or, or maybe you decided to camp out in your backyard. If you live in the South, you're camping out in the backyard. <laughs> I would prefer a cozy bed with the covers pulled up and maybe a glass of hot chocolate ready and waiting. But we understand that these holidays can be chaotic. So we wanted to give you some tips on what to do no matter where you are, no matter what you're experiencing, just a few things that are going to help to keep things on schedule as much as reality allows. And the first thing is start the day on time. Try to be as consistent with the start point of the morning as you possibly can, because the truth is the rest of the day is going to be all over the place. So if you start that day on time and hit your crazy day, so if you have the app, we have the crazy day guidelines in there. If you have the book, the little C denotes those crazy day times. And if there was ever a crazy day, the holidays are those days. So utilize that. And then the last thing is just to give yourself grace. Look at mom's on call. We'll fix whatever happened while you were gone when you get back home. No worries. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. (laughs) Jennifer and I have spent our entire careers answering questions from parents just like you. And we love being of service to moms and dads. You can call us at 888-234-7979. Hi, my name is Avery from Nashville, Tennessee. I've really been enjoying listening to the podcast as I feed my 10-week-old little girl. We are quickly approaching our first weeks of daycare as I go back to work. I know you covered this in the podcast a little bit, but I'm curious on y'all's advice on shifting the recommended schedule perhaps by an hour or so in order to get ready for work in the morning. Right now, my little one is waking up at about 5.30, and that's great. She goes back to sleep after we do that feeding, but I can't and also uh, get ready for work in time. So I'd love it if maybe we added a dream feed or even shifted so I could get her to actually sleep until 6.30. It would work much better for our household um, in the way that we're having to accomplish getting her to daycare. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that and enjoying everything so far. Thanks. Bye. Well, Avery, the great news is over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be getting that little one to sleep right up until about 6.30 or 7 a.m. So there is no need to shift the routine a whole hour either way. If you're looking for a get-up time of about 6.30, that will work perfectly because you do have that lead way of shifting 30 minutes without causing any issues whatsoever. You mentioned a dream feed. 
And dream feeds don't result in longer stretches and definitely won't help get her longer in the morning. This is just part of being 10 weeks old. They tend to wake at about 5, 5.30, but we will get closer and closer to that 6.30 wake-up time over the next week or two. We love your voicemails, but we realize that sometimes you just don't want your voice out in the world for everybody to hear. So you can also send us a message on Instagram. Our account is at Moms on Call, and we check that before we record every episode of this podcast to find your questions and answer them in the show, even if we can't hear your sweet voice. So, Jennifer, yeah, we have this question. How do I know if the belly button is about to come off? There's some blood around it, and I'm afraid to touch it. (laughs) You know, we describe this in our book. I think we say... We really do, and it's gross. Yeah, say it. What do we say? It looks like... Like, what? Oh, I don't want to say it. It makes me want to gag. You say it. (laughs) And I'm going to plug my ears. It just, it really looks like, kind of like snot. Yeah, or a wet oyster, I think. Or a wet oyster, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just gross. There is some blood that's very normal, and that's leftover maternal blood from the cord. So, you know, if it bleeds a little bit, your doctor can put a little medicine on that to make it stop bleeding, but it's not the baby's blood, so it always feels better to know that. And you can actually take a little Q-tip with a little alcohol on it and just wipe away those little dried blood bits around the edges. That doesn't hurt anything at all. And basically, it's going to take care of itself. The time that we worry about these is when they start to get the stink. And I mean, it finds you. Not like, hey, smell this belly button. Do you think this smells funny? No. Mm-mm. You're like, what is that horrible, horrible scent wafting up from my child? And that's when you would take the baby to the doctor because on occasion they can get infected. But when they do. Yeah. And sometimes they'll be kind of oopy goopy as that's healing right where it's connected. So sometimes they'll do a little silver nitrate on that and get that cleaned up and get it off. Typically it comes off usually between 10 and 14 days. Yeah, around there. Some of them hang on for a while and you can go in and get that little silver nitrate on here and there and that'll help it out. And then what I love about when they do fall off is now we have full mom's on call bathtub time. Like we are free. And so that's a lot of fun. So we have a whole blog on this one and a bonus episode. If you're in our online courses, we actually have a bonus episode too. But when do I start brushing my baby's teeth? Mm, When did your baby get teeth? Because mine didn't have any until they were almost a year old. There were no teeth. That is so funny. Lots of drooling. No teeth. Lots of drooling, lots of gnawing, but no teeth. Well, my kids all had teeth before they turned four months of age. So we always say you can start to kind of wipe those gums down with a little gauze or washcloth around your fingers. We actually like brushies. Brushies has a great little fingertip silicone toothbrush that works great. But definitely once those teeth are coming in, you want to start brushing those baby's teeth. Can you use a passy too much? Oh, a question I asked myself with twins that were really loud on the regular when they were young. Yeah, they loved passies. They took their passies up until they were about almost two and a half. When you get to about two and a half years, that's when the dentists say it can start to really change that upper palate a little bit. 
and could make you more likely to need braces. My children did not need braces. They kept those pasties in until about two to two and a half. You know, we used them as needed. Were they sucking on them all day long? No, no. You know, sometimes it just was loud. I had three kids and so loud was okay. <laughs> but you know, to help them soothe, sometimes to help them calm down at a nap or certainly when we would go shopping in a side-by-side stroller and you know, we're taking too long and they wanted to get that movement out. They would, they would swat at each other, like right next to each other. And the whole stroller would shake. And I'd be like, yep, time for passies, time to go. Yep. <laughs> Let's head out. You know, so can you use it too much? Not really. We want to get rid of them by that two to three year mark. Uh, with my kids, none of my kids had a passy after three months of age. And all of them ended up with braces. So go figure. <laughs> <laughs> go figure. But Sometimes if we use those passies kind of as like Jennifer said, to get us through the grocery store, to extend a nap a minute or two, or to just, hey, I just need a few minutes of quiet, use them. And, you know, you really can't overuse them unless you're popping them in their mouth every single second and never letting them make a sound. Hi, moms. My name is Ashley and I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. I have twins who will be turning two years old here in a couple of months. And I'm also expecting another baby a few months after that. So we are planning to transition them to big kid beds uh, sometime around their second birthday because we need one of those cribs for our new baby. They still sleep in a crib with Nothing, just the crib sheet. And I'm wondering how they're going to respond mainly to a big bed when you have the comforter and sheets and pillow and it's that whole new experience. Would it be easier on them to kind of ease them in, maybe start giving them a blanket and pillow in the crib in the weeks leading up to that transition? Or would it be best to just throw it all at them at once and say, here you go, here's your new sleep situation. You're going to be great at it. I'm just curious about that and any other insight you have on that transition. Thanks so much. Love the podcast and love all your books and everything you offer. Bye. Ashley, you are in such good hands because both Laura and I have transitioned a set of twins out of cribs and into big kid beds. And I love one of the questions that you asked. What would be easier if we do this transition? Would it be easier to kind of ease them into it? Or would it be easier to kind of do a cold turkey option? Cold turkey, cold turkey. (laughs) The answer is what, Laura? Cold turkey. (laughs) You hear that cheer? We're both cheering for you. Cold turkey. Every new thing that we do, everything they adjust to takes about three to five days. So actually, if we combine those all into one transition, then it's only three to five days, not three to five days for every transition. And also pillows and blankets inside a crib environment are more dangerous. So we are going to follow the guidelines. You love the books, So I believe that you have that toddler book. And in there, we have a section, just like all the other stuff, checklist style on how to make that transition. Do it cold turkey believe in what your kids are capable of doing. They are actually going to love this new area to explore. So we really want to have in our minds that our kids have the ability to make this adjustment and may actually be quite excited about it. Now, when you have two in the same room, you have an instigator. 
<laughs> so they are going to wear each other out a little bit and have greater access to each other. So we want to make sure that the room is safe, safer than even when you have one child, because now you have the instigator in there with them. And we want to make sure that you have, you know, everything set up for safety and follow the guidelines. We're going to close that door and lock it where the crib limited access to the room. Now the room is going to limit access to the house. So we're going to make it safe. And if we do this in a way that they don't know there's another option, you're not coming back in and out trying to quote unquote, convince them to settle down and fall asleep. And all they know is that the change happens. It happens all at once. We kind of spring it on them and tell them how we believe in them. Follow the checklist in the Mom's On Call Toddler book. And even the online class, we talk about it. If you want to hear us cheering you on, you can do that there. And they are going to have so much fun. They're going to explore it. So don't have high expectations for those first three to five nights. They're really going to kind of explore this, the newness of everything. And they're going to try and get you back in there just to see if they can. So stay strong, follow the principles. And you are going to absolutely get to watch them show you what they are capable of adjusting to. So one of our favorite family traditions, and Jennifer, you know me well enough to know that it's probably going to be around food. We have shared almost 30 Christmases. Yes, in our friendship. So I hope it's around food. When I think of you, I think of all the delicious things that you make over the holidays. One of our favorite traditions is on Christmas Day, we do what we call Cajun Christmas. So everybody that we know that's still in town will bring all their leftovers to the house uh, in the evenings, usually four, five, six o'clock in the evening. A lot of times they come over in their pajamas, their Christmas pajamas. And we do Cajun Christmas. So we have beignets and red beans and rice and jambalaya and gumbo. And we just have the best time just sitting around being together after all the hustle and bustle and the chaos. It's almost like a breath of fresh air as these people just come and sit around and we play games and just have a really good time. You know what I love about that is it's a great time to share the stories. That you have somebody that cares what you experienced over Christmas or what antics occurred in that day before, Always. you know, yes, who was exhausted and who slept late. Or It's just so wonderful to have a group of people to share the stories of Christmas with afterwards and to laugh and relax. And look, you had me at beignets. Our friends at Mission Mighty Me have been making it deliciously simple to include peanuts in baby's diet. As the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends with their proactive peanut puffs. And now they've made it super simple to include tree nuts too. With their proactive nut butter puffs with peanuts and tree nuts. They turn peanuts, almonds, cashews, hazelnuts, and walnuts into a yummy quick-dissolve puff that melts in little mouths. Mighty Me Puffs are a safe and delicious way to follow new feeding recommendations for introducing common food allergens to babies and toddlers. And keeping them in the diet regularly and Mission Mighty Me was founded 
by the very pediatric allergist whose research formed the new guidelines. How cool is that? Proactive puffs from Mission Mighty Me make it deliciously simple to feed your little one peanuts and tree nuts. And big kids love them too. Visit missionmightyme.com to learn more and use Mom's on Call 20 for 20% off your first order. As a part of the Mom's on Call online classes, we put a little extra something in there for you, which are moments episodes where we get to talk to some of the people that are creating and doing things that serve and are of interest to parents of babies and toddlers. We got to talk to a really fascinating pediatric ENT, Dr. Stephen Gowdy, and he introduced us to something that we love called the NoseBot. It is a portable, rechargeable electric nasal aspirator with hospital-grade suction, and it's got this really unique nose piece design And it's recommended by pediatricians, pediatric ENTs, and we have used it. And some of the Moms on Call team has used it. And we really, really are proud to recommend it. So you can go to www.drknowsbest.com and use offer code MOMSONCALL for $25 off the NoseBot nasal aspirator. That's www.drnozebest.com with offer code Moms on Call. Now you should always consult your healthcare provider concerning when and how often to use this nasal aspiration and pop on over to your Moms on Call online class and you can also watch the Moments episode where we interview the creator of the Nosebot. Hey Moms on Call, my name is Sarah. I'm from Alabama. And my daughter, Lucy, recently graduated to the eight-week schedule, and she's been doing great going down at 7.30 p.m. She usually wakes up uh, around once or twice in the night for feeding. But we've been struggling with decreasing her daytime naps from two hours to an hour and a half. I try and push it as much as I can by changing rooms, changing positions, engaging her, taking her outside. Um, But I was wondering if you had any tips for shortening those daytime naps. So hopefully we can drop a nighttime feed. Thank you so much. I love your books and I enjoy the podcast. Sarah, so the good news is they can sleep up to two hours for those naps during the day. That's not impacting that nighttime sleep. And you have that 15-minute grace period on either side of the times that we're talking about. So it's two steps forward and one step back. We're going to get to more no nights with feeds soon enough. So just hang in there. You know, you can definitely use distraction during the day. We talk about preschool centers almost. So it's five or 10 minutes of tummy time, five or 10 minutes on their back, five or 10 minutes of walking outside, five or 10 minutes of snuggling with them. But it's okay for them to sleep up to two hours for those naps during the day. It's like circuit training when you describe it that way. It's like taking your baby, you know, for their own little gym experience. They get to be at this position and that position and indoors and outdoors. And I know it seems like a lot of work right now, but the older that they get, the difference that it makes. Babies actually double their birth weight by the time they're four months old. So they're growing so fast and things change so fast that probably in about two weeks, 
this won't even be a question anymore. You'll see that they're really responding to all this really great hard work that you're doing. So keep up the good work. We love doing this podcast. We love getting to interact and hear your voices and your questions. So thank you for that. Well, many of us have been there, Jennifer, where, you know, our spouse doesn't get home from work until after seven o'clock at night. And so what do we do with the routine? Can we shift it? Can we shift things around? How can we realistically do that when our spouses aren't getting home at the same time as the bedtime routine? Oh, I love that question so much. I just love that we're really concerned about being able to provide connection, you know, with everybody and the baby. And so, yeah, mom's on call. We're all about connection. Tender time is one of our favorite times. We'll talk about this all the time. And so we can make adjustments. We can go, you know, up to an hour later if we need to shift the whole schedule an hour either direction. And if there were a better reason to do it, I don't know what it would be. But to let somebody else be able to get home and love on your baby. And, you know, it's really sweet to be able to do that. Bath time to come right in time for bath time. If you're getting home a little bit earlier, regardless of, you know, which partner is doing that, and they're fussy then, please don't take that personally. They have to get their energy out in the evening to be ready for that long stretch of sleep. So it's not you. <laughs> that is just so true. Fussy, right? It's just that fussy time of the night. And so, you know, yes, you can shift that routine. And you know what? Sometimes families, that spouse or partner's not getting home till much, much later. So you're outside that 30 to 60 minute shift window. So can we look for other opportunities for that connection, right? I think, Jennifer, I can remember you saying, well, try doing breakfast together where they get together and and have that connection in the morning time. So there are some options there to help, but uh, we've all been there. That's for sure. If my babysitter calls in sick, (laughs) oh, where is this going? And I have to work with my baby from home Are there any tips on how to do that? It depends on what age we're talking about. On the ages. It depends on what type of work you're doing. You know, it's a game changer if this kid is mobile. So like a baby under, you know, seven or eight months when really they're kind of starting to crawl. Game changer. Game changer. Underneath, like if they're younger, you can absolutely set up a safe place and have them to where you can put them down while you're doing some of that work because that's reality, right? Sometimes we have to do it. I also think that it's okay to to know that it might be a little bit loud. Kind of schedule those meetings if you can around those nap times on the mom's on call routines, that will help. It does make it easier to have the routines. Yes, it really, really does. And then if they are mobile, if your kids are more in that eight months of age or older, then you definitely want to have those safe spaces uh, that you can always keep your eyes on them because they can get into stuff pretty quick. (laughs) You remember those baby on board little suction cups that they would have on minivans for a while? I think you should get one of those and just be like baby in boardroom. Um, (laughs) You know, like baby in Zoom call, like just, I have to give you the heads up. You could be a dad, you could be a mom. Some days 
bring your baby to work day. Dog lovers, you know, it is. It's tough when you bring these new babies into a home with our fur babies. And so this question is tips for bringing babies home to a house with four dogs. So a house full of love. (laughs) Full of love. We love our fur babies. And one of the things that we always did was take blankets to the hospital with us. And then we would bring those blankets home prior to bringing the baby or babies home so that the dog can start to smell that new smell that's fixing to come and get ready. And then one of the biggest things, Jennifer, is when we bring those babies home into the house is to let those puppies or those dogs kind of smell the feet and sniff and see what that smell is. The biggest thing that I want to make sure of is try not to talk in high-pitched voices. Don't get really, really excited. The best thing is to walk in the house and act like this is just the way things are. Just that confidence of this is just the way things are. The other thing is to never leave a baby unattended with the dogs. As sweet as our dogs are, as much as we believe that nothing would ever happen, dogs get excited. They could run and step on the dog because the doorbell rang, you know, at the most unexpected time. So we just always want to make sure that those babies are placed out of reach. Uh, And a pack and play is always a great place when you're downstairs, of course, the crib for those nap and sleep times. But we do want to make sure that that they're always supervised and watched because those puppies can, can get away from us pretty quick. So blankets brought to the hospital, then bring those home a little bit early. Make sure that we're not talking in those high pitch, excitable voices. We want to come in confidently, like this is just the way things are going to happen. We want to let those dogs smell those feet and let them kind of see these new sounds. Uh, Also, one thing, Jennifer, that I heard of is that you can actually take some baby sounds and start to play towards that last six to eight weeks before those babies come home. So some babies crying, just kind of let that play just so those dogs kind of get used to those new sounds that are going to be coming up. Yeah. And um, never place your kids between a dog and their food. That's always a rough spot. But I love what you said, uh, just about being supervised, being safe, not making any presumptions, which is hard when you love your dogs so, so much and you trust them, probably some more than some of the people that you know. But still, um, you know, Laura's right. They can be really unpredictable at times and a little bit of good news. I want to leave you with some really, really good news with a study that was done recently on families who had pets. Those kids grew up with less allergies. And so I just want to say that, you know, there's going to be a lot of good things, not just love and lickings and all those fun things that we get to see online, but also may help be somewhat preventative for some allergies. So have fun. Be safe. My name is Sarah. I live in Laguna Beach, California. I have a 21-month-old who will be two in October, and I'm bringing my next baby home in October. And these two, given that we live in a tiny place, will be sharing a room. And Moms on Call worked so well for my first baby. And I'm so nervous about doing it with two room sharing. Can you please go over any tips for room sharing? When should I put the babies together? All of that. I am planning to use a mini crib next to my bed for the first little bit just to get them used to the crib and then hopefully roll it on over whenever you all say it's time. But I would love help to 
you know, under two, just barely shared room. Any tips? Thanks so much. Bye. The great news, Sarah, is they learn to coexist. So, you know, yes, we want them in your room until we're pretty much sleeping through the night. So somewhere between that eight and 12 week mark, once you start to get to that point, then we can definitely move them over into that other room. And especially since you said you have the mini crib, the mini crib is really safe, but we want that to be as far away from the kitchen of their favorite restaurant, which is you, in your room when they're there as possible so that that's not distracting them and waking them up more than they typically would be in a separate environment. But we can totally do it that way. So try and just get them as far away as possible, follow the mom's on-call guidelines, and then When that baby that is born in October, right around maybe Christmas, I don't know, it could be Valentine's Day, but probably around Christmas, your present's going to be, you get to move them into the same room together. And one of the biggest things that when we make that transition to know is we don't save the quiet one. We actually help them do exactly what Laura was saying at the beginning is we help them to learn to adjust and accommodate each other. And sometimes that's a little noisy at first and that's okay. And it's actually really great for both of them. And it helps to plant those very first seeds of accommodation for a sibling. Then they start to accommodate classmates, then a community. So it's really, really the beginning of something beautiful. Thank you for listening to the Moms On Call podcast. Please visit MomsOnCall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. Thanks for listening to our first season, and we are back with all brand new episodes starting on January 3rd.